and turn with me. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Father, help us now, Lord, as we study this, your word, the very words of God. Help us to listen carefully, to look carefully at the words recorded and preserved for us here today. That we might understand you, that we might understand what you've said about us. And how it is we ought to live in light of these truths. Lead us and guide us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. That we might be changed just a little more in the character of Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. You ever heard of the Nicene Council? It was a real recent event. It took place in the 4th century. It was an important church assembly. You see, there was a teacher, Aris, teaching that Jesus was not God. And so this assembly was called to defend the deity of Jesus. Of the 318 delegates, do the math on this, friends. Of the 318 delegates attending, Fewer than 12 had not lost an eye, a hand, or did not limp on a leg, lamed by torture for their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, people who determined that they were going to live it out to the full. They weren't going to worry about the results. They'd leave those in God's hands. Whatever it cost, they would obey. I'm always amazed when I hear these stories. And perhaps like me, you wonder, what was it inside these people that said, I could lose an eye, a hand, a, a leg for following Christ? Is it really worth it? What, are they, is it, what is it that they knew that maybe we don't? It enabled them to do that. I'm inspired by the 56 men who pledged their lives and their fortunes and their sacred honor in signing a Declaration of Independence. These men expected to be hanged. Expected it. They're going to hang us by now. This we must do. What's going on in your world that you would be willing to risk limb and life? What is so valued to you? Liberty? Jesus and his cause? Is there anything at all? Well, in today's text, Paul, the apostle, reveals to us why he kept at it. How he was shipwrecked and beaten and whipped and, and all sorts of means of, of torture that he endured for the cause of Christ. And he reveals to us what enabled him to do it. And it is my hope here this morning that when you understand this truth, it will begin to change the way you live. That you won't keep quiet about Christ. When it comes to mind, you won't begin to worry about what people might think of you 
if you talk about Jesus. But you'll be more concerned about what they think about him. Well, let's take a look, my friends. One of the things that kept Paul going is this. We have assurance that something better awaits us. Something better awaits us. We all have these uh, ideas of what heaven is going to be like. We have them, we've learned them from our culture. You know, we get to heaven and Jesus gives us a big hug and, you know, rubs his hand in our hair and says, Hey, way to go. Glad you're here. We get this false idea about Jesus. You see, Jesus is glorified. He's the king of kings. Right? You're not going to run into his arms. You're going to run to his feet and worship. We have assurance that something better awaits us. We will one day have a new body, a glorious body, and that isn't even hyperbole. A glorious body. Notice what Paul writes here. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He's talking about our body, a body that's fit for eternity. The body that we have now, Paul says, it's like a tent. It's a bit shabby, and you wouldn't want to live there. Paul also writes in Philippians chapter 3 a little bit about that body. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, Paul writes, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Want to know what your body's going to be like for all eternity, you that are trusting in Christ? Glorious, just like Jesus. The reason he rose from the dead, by the way. He didn't just die for our sins. He rose from the dead. And so, friends, we're going to have a body that is fit for eternity. And frankly, it's a body that we groan for. Look at verse 2. For in this tent, this body, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. What's he talking about here? We're going to get rid of this, this body. That's what happens at death, isn't it? Separation between the body and the spirit. The body is left behind. Apparently, there is something in us, the way that God has made us, that we continue to live separate from the body. And only when the great resurrection of the dead takes place will we receive our glorious body. But notice what Paul says about this. Here in verse 5, he says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. God is preparing you 
even now, to live in this glorious body, in his presence. A body just like Jesus. And he's given a guarantee. You know what the guarantee is? Look at here at the end of verse 5. God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 2. As well, I should say, not chapter 2. Where the Spirit of God is a down payment on the ultimate end of our salvation. Remember, salvation is, is a, has multiple aspects. Saved from the penalty of our sin. Saved from the power over sin and saved one day from the very presence of sin. And that's eternity, my friends. What a great salvation that God has given to us. And the fact that we have something better here, and you will note, something better that awaits us ought to motivate us for ministry in this life. In light of this truth, it is reasonable that you will make a stand. I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, heard a lot about it in college and uh, maybe some seminary, but the idea of a Christian planting his flag, it, it's a metaphor for making a stand, speaking up, letting all of your friends know without preaching a sermon, just making it clear that I follow Christ. I wonder if you're still hiding that from someone. Because that's where it starts, friends. We're talking about making a difference in the lives of the people around you. You start by planting a flag. Think of it metaphorically as going out to the front of your house and putting up a big flag. And now everybody knows that person is a Christian. And maybe they ask you a question about it. And maybe they say something like, why in the world would you want to be a pastor? And as the door swings open big, my friends, they have the opportunity to talk. And they're the ones that ask. A great opportunity it is, my friends. You start by planting a flag. You make it more and the fact that we have something better that awaits us, my, son, my friends, something that is incredible beyond our description and understanding at this point. We won't truly get it until we're there. And then we're all going to walk around going like this. Try, just thinking, can you believe this? Can you believe how incredible this is? Can you believe how every sacrifice was worth it? How I should have done more in light of this. I should have been more serious about it. I should have made some sacrifices about it. The fact that we have something better that awaits us ought to motivate us for ministry in this life. And here Paul lays out the manner in which ministry for the Lord ought to be taking place. Here in verse 6 he says, So we are always of good courage. We have great courage because we know how it ends. Like watching a TV show or a movie. There's a star in this harrowing position. Oh no, the bomb, it's going to blow up, he's going to die. 
And then you sit back and go, no, they ain't going to kill this guy. And then we have no point to the end of the movie. That guy dies. And you figure it out. And that's life here as a Christ follower. You know how it ends. It's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Even to lose a friend over it. No, I don't want nothing to do with you. It's just going to be it. It's worth it. It's worth the risk. It's worth it. The whole point of this passage is to tell us it's worth it. Whatever the cost, whatever must change in your life, it's worth it. So we are always of good courage. Why? Because we know. There's that phrase again. We know. We're not guessing here, friends. We know it because God has told it to us. That while we are home in the body... We are away from the Lord. We walk by faith. We haven't seen the Lord. We have His Word before us. We are convinced that it is indeed His Word. And we live our lives according to it. We walk by faith, not by sight. So we serve by faith. And look at verse 8. We serve to please the Lord. Yes, we are good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. I want you to notice there's only two places you can be, my friends. In the body, away from the Lord, but the moment you leave this body, you're with the Lord. Wonder what happens when you die? Wonder what happens at that last moment? Is there a bright light in a long tunnel? No, there's not. The moment you leave your body, you are with the Lord. That's it. No other option. People have talked about, what about soul sleep? You know, it looks like dead people, they're, they're sleeping, right? That's what's happening, right? That ain't it. Away from the body, present with the Lord. Go ahead, take a look. It's written there, right there for you, recorded and preserved, that you might know the great reward that lies ahead for those who trust me. And we serve to please Him, so whether at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. And then Paul reminds us of this truth. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 10 here. Now, this is only for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who are called the sons of God. You will stand before Jesus. That's verse 10. Look at the end of verse 10. So that, and this is the purpose, each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Know this, my friends. This is not judgment. There's no judgment here in the sense of condemnation. This is an opportunity for you like show and tell. To lay out your life before Jesus and say, look how much you invested in me. This is what I've done with it. And hear me when I say this, friends. What you do here has eternal consequences. Yeah, I'm talking to believers here. the, The question of hell is out of the picture, of course. Because we've been saved from the penalty of sin. 
This is the opportunity for reward. For God to recognize that what we have done been is faithful. We've heard His Word and we have lived it out and we have made sacrifices for Him and we have stood up before people and proclaimed the Gospel to them. Every last one of us is going to stand in front of Jesus and we're going to say, this is what we did in light of all that you did for us. You died for my sin. You paid the penalty for my sin that I might not stand in eternity in hell. And this is what I did with my life for you. Right now we want to take a moment and think, man, if that happened today, how would that feel? See, I think the longing of every one of our hearts is this. Christ would say to us, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have done well. But is that your truth? Is that even the plan? Think of what an insult to God it would be to receive His great mercy and His great grace and His graciousness to us day after day after day. And nothing changes. What a shame that would be, huh? Thank God we're not living that life for long. We learn and we live it out. We put it into practice by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not able by ourselves. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we could live differently. Even now, maybe the Spirit of God is nagging at you about something. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Go do it. So my friends, the fact that we have something better that awaits us ought to motivate us for ministry in this life. We serve by faith. We serve to please the Lord, not ourselves. And we serve to lead others to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11. Therefore, in light of these truths, therefore, we are known, what we are is known to God. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. We plead with them. Know the Lord. Don't ride a motorcycle by a church on Sunday morning. <laughs> you gonna do it? Stop in. <laughs> Friends, in light of what you know, what kind of monster would you be? Really? What kind of monster would you be to keep it to yourself? I mean, think of living out this world and nobody said boo about Jesus. Nobody invited you. Nobody talked about it. Your parents didn't bring you to church. And the Sunday school teacher wasn't kind to you and, and fun and good to be around and careful and teaching the truth. And, what if nobody said anything? And then you end up in hell. And no way out. What kind of monster would you have to be 
to keep it to yourself. We serve to lead others to Christ. But what we are known is, or what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. And here Paul is is, uh, talking about his relationship with the church at Corinth. You know, in the first uh, first Corinthians, first letter that he had written um, that we have in the scriptures is... uh, it is, uh, you know, a difficult relationship with them. Oh, Paul says he's this, and he's... And so here's Paul trying to maintain a relationship. He says, but what is known, uh, what we are is known to God, and I hope it's known to you also, or to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearances and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. They actually said that Paul was crazy. And here Paul picked this up. If I'm outside my mind, it's for you. It's for you. It's for God. Yeah. And so, friends, all of these truths ought to motivate us to get going, to get at it, not put it off another day. Not what am I going to do come Thursday, but what am I going to do come 12 o'clock? We serve, it by, we serve the Lord by faith. We do it to please Him. We serve to lead others to Christ, and we are motivated by Christ's great love for us. Verse 14, Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. Want to know why Jesus died? That you might no longer live that selfish life. But that you would live for him. Who for their sake died and was raised. From now on. Therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. The whole Jew-Gentile thing no longer matters my friends. What matters is what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with it? What are you investing in? Who's on your prayer list? Who are you working for here? I have connected recently with a friend I haven't seen in 46 years. You know why? I don't think he knows Jesus. He's my best friend when I was a little kid. He's two years older than me, moved away in 11th grade. Hunted him down. Who's on your list? Who are the people you care about? People that you wonder how you can possibly enjoy heaven knowing that they might be in hell. Friends, don't let it be because you said nothing. Don't stand before Jesus and he says, Who did you chase down? Where did you plant your flag? Who did you pursue? 
From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, he says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You have the Spirit of God in you. Surely the Spirit of God must nag at you about this. You hear what he's saying? Right from the Word of God, there it is. He just read it right from God's Word. It's clear. What do you want to do with all that? Serve the Lord, my friends, whatever the cost. An eye, a hand, a leg, it'll be worth it. Are you convinced? You think heaven is being oversold, living in the presence of God apart from sin? Enjoying the rewards whatever it is you did for him. It'll be worth it, my friends. Time to make a change. There's no risk in ministry, my friends. No risk. Because the reward will far outshine anything it costs you. Any wounds, any hurts, any broken hearts. Remember, hear me when I say this. Whatever you do here will impact your eternity. Gonna stand before Jesus. What will you have in your hands to demonstrate your great love for him? Your great desire to please him? Or will it just be an opportunity to demonstrate you were really only concerned about yourself? Don't let it be that, friends. I plead with you. The Spirit of God pleading with you through me. Change your life. Step up. Step out. Make a difference. Do something terribly courageous. Courageous like Invite a friend to church. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's not start there. That's too terrifying. Or is it? Sit down and have a conversation. You may not have known this. But I've become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you about it. Every week, I am connected with a friend that I led to Christ. First guy I ever led to Christ. Did a terrible job with it too. <clears throat> Didn't know what I was talking about, how to say it. And you know what the thing is? That doesn't matter because it's the work of the Spirit of God in their heart that matters. Remember last week's sermon? You don't have to be great. Just be faithful to do it. As a leader in this church, the pastor just left the church and he's, he's in charge of it all there's a guy that had just said, oh, I want to tell you about Jesus. I don't know very much about it, but i got to tell you, it changed my life. It could change yours. You don't have to be great, friends. Just be faithful. 
Father in heaven, help us. It wasn't a happy sermon. It wasn't an interesting one that we simply nod at. You've given it to us, Lord, that we, we would make a choice. And we would know the choice matters with eternal consequences. Oh, Father, help us, God, that we would live such a life by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would stand before you and say, Behold, what we did in the power of your Holy Spirit because of our great gratitude for what you've done, for your great mercy in our life, because you have rescued us from hell and you've given us heaven. Oh, Father, help us. Help us, God, I pray in Jesus' name.